Hello, friends. This is Stella. And this is Shag. The audio you're about to hear was actually recorded a little while ago, before the passing of Yvonne Craig. And as she's obviously incredibly well-known for a number of roles, but especially the Batgirl role in the Batman TV series, we just felt like we needed to take a moment and, and talk about that for just a second. Absolutely. I, I don't think you can mention or think of Batgirl without thinking of Yvonne Craig. And really, the only posts, because a lot of people have been coming on the web and Twitter and everything, and really writing wonderful and touching sentiments about Yvonne Craig. But really, all I can say that hasn't been said is, or that has been said, perhaps, is just that she is the legend that started it all. And it may not have been the, the first Batgirl that you have seen or the first superhero that was a woman that you have seen, but she really was that first one. And I think she pushed forward so much for just women in general. And it was just, uh, it was the perfect time to bring a woman out and put her in the forefront and have people idolize her. And, and what a wonderful lady to idolize. And I think I've seen so many times that these were people's favorite episodes and they waited for her on her bat cycle to ride past on the title screen. I, I've seen people say that over yes. and over again. And there must have been some impact. And uh, she seemed like such a great lady. And, and really, my only regret, if I were to be selfish here for a moment, is that I never had the opportunity to speak with her and, and say how much uh, she meant to me personally and, and just what she started for me with my love of Batgirl. And I think we all felt that way. Uh, those of us that have listened to your show or have heard you on other shows, I think we all kind of wanted that for you someday. And, and also, I'll just say I'm sorry that didn't happen for you. I, you mentioned exactly what I was going to say. Is you know, as a kid watching the Batman TV show, you always knew when Batgirl drove by in the opening credits that was going to be one of the better episodes because mm -hmm. it was always better when she was there. And obviously, as a as a young guy, I probably focused more on Batman or whatever, but. There was something about her presence in the show that just made the show more fun, more energetic. Now that I have a daughter of my own, seeing her looking up to female heroes, and she's aware of the Batgirl from the old Batman TV series. We haven't really watched a lot of it, but she's aware that Batgirl's out there, and then that immediately became her favorite character. Just her very existence made her her favorite character on the show. And it just means a lot to me. And what she did for young women and giving them a hero to look up to is just says volumes. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, folks, I think that's all we've really got. We're going to go ahead and head into the episode. And obviously, there's going to be some Batgirl discussion in this one. So enjoy. Let's give it over to Stella the floor. Moose, who's yeah. going to explain Moose first. Uh, for right now? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, moose have been my favorite animal. Moose. going to put that right in your mouth. Oh, my God. If I thought before I spoke, the history of this podcast would be a lot shorter. <laughs> that was wow. you, you can see the color of her face. <laughs> Tom's got a mouthful of Diet Coke he can't swallow. I love this show. Thank you. Good night. This is Moose. Yeah. Yeah. Um, You're beat red. So. Gotham City, like any other large metropolis, abounds in girls of all shapes and sizes. Debutantes, nurses, stenographers, and librarians. Gotham City Library, Miss Gordon speaking. Lopez hair removal, this is Jose. Holy transformation. 
One minute, plain Barbara Gordon, librarian and Commissioner Gordon's daughter. And the next minute, something new has been added. Batgirl, modeled after her idol, Batman. Holy apparition! No, Boy Wonder, I'm Batgirl. You are no longer alone, Cape Crusader. It took me three years to track down the Jade Gato, and three more to figure out how to steal it. Funny, it only took me ten minutes to figure out how to snatch it back. No matter how you do it, crime doesn't pay girls. This is Back with the Oracle, the Barbara Gordon Podcast, episode 105 for August MMXV. Back with the Oracle is brought to you by MileHighComics.com, your new and collectible comic book store. Mile High Comics has an inventory of over 5 million comics from the gold, silver, bronze, and modern age, and over 100,000 trade paperbacks. If you're not into the vintage stock, Mile High Comics also has a subscription service called the New Issue Comics Express offering a discounted price for comics ready to hit the shelves. Examples of the prices you may encounter are November's Batgirl number 46 and Gotham Academy number 12, both for $2.69. So if you're looking for vintage back issues or a great modern subscription service, be sure to check out milehighcomics.com. Batgirl the Oracle is a proud member of the Batman Universe family of podcasts. Hashtag TBU family. Friends... Listeners, Romans, you need to buckle up your seatbelts right now because you are about to enter into the Dick and Babs versus Dick and Corey debate of 2015.
Now Shaggy D. Matthews has been globetrotting and he came to good old Virginia and he, Tom Penneries and I all sat down. First we went to Barnes & Noble and chatted for a couple hours and then we went over to Mexican restaurant and continued our conversation. And this is just one part of that engrossing conversation. And it's a bit of a crossover because you can f- go over to Fire & Water podcast shaggy does not like me to say cast but it is still cast and here are part of it over there and you can go over to tom panarese's pop culture affidavit to hear the other part of the crossover hashtag bloodbath who survives this debate i don't even know and i was there Hey, this is for Eugene and for all of you other people who wanted a shorter episode because, by golly, I gave you one that was less than three hours. So stay tuned for this epic debate. Enjoy. I'll probably just plug it in at the end of the BTO and it's all its glory. Well, no. No, 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 no. Okay. BTO time? Here we go. I'm the moderator. (laughs) Hello. I am the irredeemable shag. Welcome to this installment of Batgirl to Oracle. I have with me Mr. Tom Panneri. Say hello, Tom. Hi. I have with me Stella Moose, which you have to explain. Yes, I am here. All right. Now, I'll be your impartial moderator for today. And their discussion topic is going to be the merits of Corey Anders, a.k.a. Starfire, versus Barbara Babs Gordon. In... Dick Grayson's life. All right. So, uh, I think a topic should be dress, like how how they each dress, because he was about to defend her dress. Okay. Dress sense can be fair. Yeah. How about them as a relationship partner? Okay. And then maybe um, their marriages, because <laughs> Dick's married both of them. Essentially. No, he was never actually married to Corey. Did such a nerd. Okay. He never was Raven. It's on the cover of the comic. Evil lesbian Raven blew up. The oh priest. dear! Just because she implants an egg in you doesn't make her a lesbian. Were the vows completed? Were the vows completed? Uh, no. It was like I now pronounce you man and boom. What the? F- <laughs> so really? I thought they were married. Okay. And there was also a, a problem with. <clears throat> No, no, this is not history lesson time. Hold no, on, no, we're no, having no. an argument. Mm. No, right before the um, wedding and the issue, they were having problems getting a marriage license. She's an alien. <laughs> well, that was the whole thing. I can't remember the argument. And a whore. Oh, dear. Oh, by the way, I, I am think... impartial. Okay. I would have to go back and look this up, but I'm pretty sure that in the issue where they actually break up and she finally leaves the planet, she, one of them says, we were almost married. So... They got there. They got, but they lived together for a while. So either way, common law marriage. Yeah. I'd like to pose a question to the audience: How often does dinner conversation include the sentence "They broke up and she left the planet"? That just doesn't come up in dinner conversation often enough. Okay. Well, all right. Here's my thing. And now I give Stall a lot of crap. 
as you should because yes <laughs> and it comes naturally to me i have a younger sister i deserve none of it no i have a younger sister so you knock my water drinking mm -hmm. uh-huh i haven't that? touched your iced tea because that's drinking the water it's trying to be healthy with all this cheese so you keep interrupting Tom. My giving her a hard time is comes naturally from having a younger sibling. Okay. okay. But I thought it's just because she's an obnoxious little turd. Oh but okay. dear. No, no, no. Um, I try to give her the benefit of the doubt. I think it's oh my, not oh dear. Try. Okay. I interchange that. Okay. Well, there's a whole repertoire. I'm um, more known for my oh dears. Um, that's a whole. My feeling. Well, my feeling on the relationship, and I was. Um, what are you picking out? Okay. <laughs> I've said this before. Well, hold on. We gotta, we gotta, okay. Tom's, Tom's gonna get, Tom's I've said this to you before, privately. In, in, in non recording <laughs> Corey and Dick have to be together in order for Barbara and Dick to be together. And here's the reason Corey is the, that relationship that ends terribly that he has learned from. When he is with her, he is insecure, he is whiny, he is he is all of the working all through all the crap of Batman. When he's with Barbara, it's in a period of his life where he's a lot more confident. Granted, it's two different people writing him, but let's say in-universe here. Yeah. Um, but it's like he's already, already worked through all of that. And now, he personally, always gave Corey a lot of credit with helping him work through all of that stuff because he had somebody to be with, confide with, confide in, be around when he couldn't be around that. Okay. Alright, let's give her a chance to respond. Stella, would you agree that Dick and Corey had to happen in order for Dick and Babs to work? She's now clasping her hands and staring away in thoughtful <laughs> contemplation. Yeah, I'm thinking about this. Well, because there was already a flirtation between them mm -hmm. in the uh, in the 70s and what? Yeah, the 70s with the Batman family title, and he seemed to have a pretty good head on his shoulders. He's going to college and everything. So, what if Corey was the one? that damaged him and he had to build himself back up but Babs was the healer. Well, he did drop out of college before he met Corey. He was on his way there. And the one who damaged him was Bruce. Who has an issue. Let's say Zuko damaged him first. Yeah, but come on. Bruce... Bruce had this sort of Bruce, are we talking pre-crisis or post-crisis? Because there's actually well, two versions of the story on. and it I frustrates think, me. I think we're getting sidetracked now. Because, yeah. well, I think we all agree that growing up in the household of Wayne would not be a childhood no. we'd wish on anyone. But would, would Barbara have wanted to date a head case? Because he was such a head case through that Wolfman run. Pre- and post-crisis, he's a head case. And he's always on Corey about, um, you know, making sure she doesn't kill anybody or just the sort of and, and his insecurities of the fact that later on it's his insecurities of the fact that he's dating a supermodel was he on the Teen Titans during Batman Family during those 20 issues um it, I'd have to look up 
Well, the yes or no, it depends on whether or not the show, the series would cancel. Well, the Teen Titans would have existed. Mm -hmm. They may not be together, but Corey was not in the picture. He was not on the new Teen Titans, because the new Teen Titans came out in 1980. I think most of those... No, it was 80. Okay. I think most of those Batman family issues were the seven. But they still would have been after the Teen Titans had originally been formed. So the, so the team existed. They may have been in, yeah. in a book, not together, but, but it's the pre, before It's, it's pre-Cory, Cyborg, Raven, yeah. uh, that team. It would have been... It would have been the original Teen Titans. Him, Wally, Donna, Roy, Garth, and then that uh, Mal, Lilith, Karen, like that... Okay, no more posing questions. No, you keep you're you're answering a question with a question. Well, to get me like some background knowledge. Yeah, whatever. But he just asked, would she date a head case? And I think at that time he was in the head case. He was. I would say he was. I'm I'm impartial though. Well, when they partnered up, it worked so well. It was like whenever she was partnered with Jason Bard, it was just very it flowed very well. And mutual admiration they had someone in common in bruce so i think there was already that intimacy there because yeah. they were in a family that's why i think i think there's a good solid basis for this relationship they may not have started out romantically but i think they had a good a good foundation whereas Corey was it's sex fire there's no but, you know deep level but in college years that's not the worst thing <laughs> no and for what it's worth it took in in real in real world time two years for the two of them to get together. She kisses him in the first issue. Yeah, but she kisses him to learn the language. Yeah, they that's don't all. they don't actually start dating until issue twenty six. In fact, there's an issue issue sixteen. She's dating somebody else. Yeah, she she and Dick do not officially hook up until. Until um, after the whole Blackfire storyline, everything on the way back from Cameron. Yeah, isn't she carrying him around when they fly? Yeah, but they're not. They are not a couple until until after that. In fact, there's she's got another guy who ends up being like an operative for the Hive at one point. Just saying, if Robin lets lets a supermodel carry him around, I think they're you know maybe not a committed relationship. But Donna Troy hooked up with Terry long before Dick Grayson hooked up with Corey. Wow. Okay. <laughs> Alright, so... I also think Babs may have been his first love when he was younger. I mean, she kissed him in Batman Family Number 1, which a lot of people were upset with. He was a congressman a and he was like a yeah. freshman in college. Yeah, but then later on, she was pretending to be asleep and he was sort of dropping, unloading his feelings for her. So that could have been the first... Why, why'd you do that? Was it clean? Shag moved away Was it clean? <laughs> was it post-crisis? She was sleeping, though. I mean, that's what but, I'm saying. But after the crisis, they... They, they uh... They de-aged her. They de-aged her, right? Yeah. yeah. So she, they're around yeah. the same age at that point. Yeah. So maybe Corey was this, like, this segue between this, <laughs> she like... She saw yeah. the hand motion she was just making. <laughs> <laughs> the segue between this crush and then realizing that really that's is the love of It's very life. possible, you know. It, there's sometimes you go back to the person you you know you always thought you should be with. It's just that the maybe the time was off. Now Babs does dress more conservatively than okay. Does. That's right. So we'll talk about outfits now. Where Tom went first last time. Well, let Stella go. Stella, <laughs> uh, you can choose to either prop up Babs or take down Starfire, whatever you'd like. Cause you know it's hard to take down a couple of pieces of purple cloth and string. It is hard to. I mean, I don't know if she has that double-sided tape. 
People who cosplay, by the way, do. Yeah, just so you know. Do that, yeah, but I don't know how it, it works. I was always under the impression that that was metal. Her suit? Part of it. Okay. Well, it's still... The way Perez... It's the size of a postage stamp, though. And it's... It, I, I will and I'm say this. Partial. I will say this. I never understood why she wore it as a member of the Titans. Because it was the outfit she'd been put in when she was a captive. Oh, it was her slave outfit for the... Yeah, it was basically... Like, Gamorreans you know, were over there? Yeah, you know, Not Gamorreans. The, what are they called? Gamorreans? Something like that. Something. Gordanians. Gamorrean guards. Yeah, that's pretty much what they are. <laughs> Although, they pretty... But in the first issue of the series, she's all she's wearing that outfit, and she's all tied up in whatever... Um, bondage. No, it's some sort of weird sci-fi bondage. Yeah. No, it's <laughs> it's it's not slave layer. But, but that whole planet is totally... Like it's uh, it's it's Barbarella. It's very Barbarella, Red Sonya type of stuff. But I never understood why would you want to keep wearing the slave girl outfit? Maybe she liked the way the boys looked. Maybe at her. she did. I don't know. I, that, it was just weird to me that she would continue to wear the outfit because her sister, Blackfire, is covered head to toe in um, whatever uniform. Still skin tight though. A superhero comic. <laughs> Oh no! Wait a minute. If we're going to start making that excuse, cyborg, ex- cyborg has you can you can shows you can explain yeah. away everything with by going superhero. Yeah. We're we're taking the straight. Okay, so and she does she does wear the you know the typical. This is supposed to be your turn. What happened? Here? Just, he hijacked uh, by saying I think it's part all right. middle. All right, Stella. All right. Yes. So what do you think of it? I'm appreciative of Babs and her conservative wares. Now, she started out ultra-conservative. I mean, she had the Princess Leia buns. She wasn't as attractive in her first appearance. But then I think she slowly started to grow into a, a bit of a fashionista. And, you know, she plays it safe. She's got, she's got the congresswoman as well as the uh, librarian identity to keep. But just, I mean, she's not revealing too much. She has, you know, some some smexy going on. <laughs> smexy? I so like she that. can attract some of the men with her um, come yeah, hither stare. Come, bar's not even to moving. her come hither stare. But, you know, Starfire is just, I mean, what is it coming And she walks around naked a lot, too. With her hair covering her, you know, what's is like Lady Godiva. <laughs> So, oh, like you care about that. I, okay, so maybe there's a point in Starfire's favor in some of this. Maybe. Not saying it's appropriate, but, you know, it's not too, not too hard on the eyes either. But Babs, gorgeous in her conservatism. And you said she wasn't a fashionista. She had, a, she had that skirt yeah. in the beginning yeah. that was like a... I remember little diagrams of her fancy skirt that would flip out. And, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yep, going to her cape and stuff. Yeah. Do you think Starfire is... Can you answer a question with a question? I think she's answering, asking oh, me a question. Oh, I was asking you a question. Okay. You know how Power Girl, like, they've explained the whole... Oh, the boob window? Yeah, for, like, basically to distract the people she's fighting. So do you think that could be a reason why Starfire did it? No, I think it comes from her culture because there's this whole thing about... They go to they go to her own planet in one of the storylines, and it's like you know we just have open attitudes about this sort of thing where clothing is minimal even on the men, and it totally is just like you know this is our culture and that's why she's wearing the <laughs> even on the men. Oh, you should see other boy toys. Yeah, her brother 
He's a boy toy. Yeah. It's Ooh. it's basically if you took her costume and just took off the top part of it, get yeah, the briefs and the and the shoes. Yeah, he's wearing like and, a purple and, speedo, and, yeah, basically. It's yeah. Purple, purple speedo. And uh, I think he's wearing an eighties headband. I think he is. Yeah. I only know this because of So it's him. basically that's you know, this is where we come from, this is who we are and you know. Isn't it a planet of nymphomaniacs? Aren't they promiscuous? It's a, it's a and it's a political marriage, and yet it's like telling Dick, no, we can still be, and he's like, and they, they break up for a time because you know, he leaves the planet because he's like, I can't be because you're married to this guy, and she was married to him technically for yeah. years, even after she came back to Earth, and then they went back to December, and he was killed and died. So that's how it is on their planet. Pretty much. Okay. How do you feel about Starfire's new costume? And the Amanda Collier, the new stuff. I don't think it's that bad, actually. It looks like a mix between. It's well, more conservative. It's still very cheesecakey, but it is uh, it's a little more conservative. It's it is it's probably still too cheesecakey to be appropriate. Um, but this, since it's a woman who draws it, I think she gets a, a bigger pass than it probably should. I think people should still point at it and go, "Come on, that's ridiculous." But. But it's Amanda drawing it, and it's sexy, and it, it's more fun. <clears throat> fun. My voice is cracking. <laughs> I'm 14. Um, now, uh, Tom and I were talking before you showed up. It was much more interesting before you showed up, by the way. Anyway, and um, I opened the comic. It had the great Amanda comic cover. I opened the comic. It looks like the same cheesecake stuff from the new 52, practically. I mean, the costume covers a but little it is, more. But it is nowhere near as bad as that first okay. issue of Red Hood and the Outlaws. That was awful. Oh, I didn't even. I saw it online. I didn't even yeah. buy it. But yeah, I like it's nowhere naked near as lot, bad as that. But I didn't like that. Yeah. Um, that was believe it or not. That was horrible. Yeah. I would say her costume is a nice mix between the trashy things she wore in New Teen Titans and what she wears in the Teen Titans cartoons. Yeah. Yourself? Your opinion? I well, I think it's much better than. I mean, it seems like she's covered up more. She. It seems like she's covered up more. <laughs> You're a little more moving. I don't isn't know what that her, the, it's right there, isn't it? It is now. Da, da, when you're talking earlier, da, it's da, like. Da, da. Is this thing on? Yeah. Well, I mean, it's like a tankini almost. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, her belly is. For the setting of the story, most. though. Let her talk. Okay. Shut that's, up, man. That's fine. You go on ahead. No, I want to hear your opinion. This is Tom's show. No, no, no. You got. He's taking this over back to the Oracle and the Fire and Water podcast. I don't want to do all that work. <laughs> <laughs> No, I, I think like it's, it's. I haven't read the comic, but I mean the images. It looks like it was much better than I was used to. But I do like the Starfire and Teen Titans. So. The animated. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I know you don't like Teen Titans. I don't like the cartoon, but I like the representation. Of, yeah. You know the way the characters looked are is fun. Not Robin. It looks ridiculous, but that's just because I like Robin too much. I'm too close. Okay, so we've talked about dress sense. Yeah. We've talked about... Well, did he he didn't say anything about Babs. Oh, uh, what about Babs' dress sense? Your skin-tight New 52 costume? 
Is that appropriate? Inappropriate? Um, I like the one that's current. Okay. Since the since the new creative team came on, the one she made herself rather than the one that she had prior, even though that just kind of because to me it was like oh it's just another you know I, it's almost like they retooled the Batgirl costume to look like whatever version of Bat the costume Batman was wearing at the time. So it was, it was yeah. just meh to me. Okay. Um, but I don't know. Bat. I've honestly never actually ever noticed Barbara Gordon's fashion sense. I always thought it was ridiculous <laughs> the way Ed Bennis drew her. God bless him. Well, because to me, but to, to me, but to me, okay. <laughs> Stella looks disapproving. Even Michael Barbara Bailey Gordon, would look at you like that. Barbara Gordon, to me, is sexy because of her, her she's very attractive, but she's also very smart, and that's what makes her very sexy so you don't have to put a huge set of breasts on her to make the character in the same way that Wonder Woman is sexy because she's strong yeah not because she's running around being the costume's very appealing but like back in the mid 90s when they did like that like Mike Diodato Jr. drew her as if she was wearing a thong the whole time like, what are you doing <laughs> the thing with Barbara it's like I don't need to you don't need to see her in you know, low cut tops or, or have Ed Bennis draw her as if she, you know, she's got a bowling ball strapped to her chest because that's how he draws every single pet woman. If you're thinking of the Oracle miniseries, he didn't draw that. That was somebody else. Okay, but I've but, seen... That's the, that's the comic where every cover is like shooting down into her cleavage. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. It's just, you don't need that in order to have her be an attractive sexy character. I also have issues with the way when Bennis drew her and they had Huntress in that midriff bearing. That was out, Jim Lee's out. fault. That was Jim Lee. In fact, they made fun of it in Birds of Prey because there was a great line where they were arguing about costumes or something like that. And Black Canary says to Huntress, she goes, well, at least Mr. Freeze doesn't know whether I'm an innie or an Audi. Oh. Which is a great line. You know what? Um, Gail Simone. You know who really drew her well was Phil Noto. Yeah. Yeah, he, he well, knew how to draw her. He did a great job. Yeah, oh, yeah. So... But no, I've actually never paid attention to Barbara Gordon's fashion sense. It's always been just kind of very... He's not a member of Dorothy's club. No. I'm not a friend of Dorothy, but at the same time, I have a, I have a, I have a sense for fashion ensemble. Very subtle. He's, he's mixing, his, mixing his metaphors, I think. But, um, oh my goodness. I, or, or going a different direction. Oh dear. I personally would say, because you know, I'm impartial. Um, I think Babs is incredibly sexy, whether she's Babs or Batgirl. Uh, I like her, like, the outfit she wore around Crisis, that, the black one. Mm-hmm. I like that. I like that, too. I do like the one she's wearing now. Um, and you hit on something. She is sexy for her look and her intelligence. Mm-hmm. And that's why I don't find Starfire sexy. She's, she's, she's got she's got that she's got the look or attractive is probably the better phrase. Yes, she's yeah. sexy. She's not attractive because there's nothing there. She's got some warrior moments, you know, and that, and it's it. And all the Starfire stuff I've read is just a waste of paper. So she's cheesecake for cheesecake's sake, and I actually don't find that attractive as much as someone like me would normally. You would think, but no. The sh- Stella's nodding, going, "Oh yes, yeah, Jack, yeah. Jack, Jack." I'll say that she's out of those original that group of the original Wolfman Paris Titan, she's one of the weaker characters and she you know, they, they, they built what they thought was a strong woman character, but if you read the storylines where they go to her home planet, they're kind of the weaker means and it doesn't help that the Omega men are involved. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, so 
make a man uh, bane of my yeah, existence. Yeah, so it's and and the first one is like right before they launched the okay. uh, Baxter series for the Omega Men. So it's almost the springboard, and it's it, it it can be excruciating at some points. But there are a few storylines where it's like they play the fish out of water, like do her thing and. Her reaction to finding out what happened with Mirage was actually pretty well done. What are you talking about? What you were talking about when we were off mic, where Mirage kidnapped her. Oh, Mirage. I thought you said Raj. Yeah, Mirage. I thought you said Raj. No, no, no. It was Mirage. And and her reaction to all of that, where she's just... she angry? I can't remember. Pissed off. Yeah. At her and at Nick. Oh, okay. And, And the reason he proposes to her... Is because everything in his life is spiraling out of control, and he feels that if he gets Corey to marry him, it'll be a way for him to control what's going on. He basically goes through this whole quarter life crisis yeah. through these things that ends with him leaving the Titans and going, and then it, in in the order of uh, the Titans, the, go into zero hour, and they go we go right to Prodigal. Yeah. So it it's. <clears throat> It's, you can you can do a whole through line from I'd say probably about like you know where where he leaves from like year three yeah. maybe even before that with the whole death of the family and, and, and did Rob was it did Robin die tonight I think is the name of the story in Batman four hundred eight okay two prodigal and it's almost like one complete story even though that was never their intention because it was it was the reclaiming of Dick then yeah for the Bat universe yeah, yeah. and once they get him taken away from Marvel yeah and once he's in that role. Chuck Dixon takes him over. Like I said, it was like it's almost like he needed to go through all that, and he had Corey kind of keep him on that. And then, and, and it just the thing that bugs me is when they're just when they gloss over those years okay. with the Titans. Yeah, because a it happened. You have to acknowledge it. Fair enough. B that book was one of DC's best-selling books at one point or another. That's true. So crossed over the X Men. They were so credit, Yeah, give yeah. credit where credit is due. Just not those tail end issues aren't aren't more, considered more awful. So let's see. So so far we've covered ground with did Starfire did did Dick need Starfire for him and Baz to be together? So far from the arguments I've heard, I think I have to give that to Tom. Okay. Although you're crossing your fingers, I can tell you how crossing but your I fingers. I can't. I think I may. I don't know what I said. Well, I'm just saying. I, I think he made a solid point there. Though. Okay. I think it was fashion sense though. I think Babs has got a hands down. Okay. So, what's what's the big finale question here? Like you know. Who should he end up with in the end, or his journey with? Should, should he be back with Corey? Is, didn't, he, didn't he have a couple of one-night stands with Corey, like oh, the night know, before he proposed actually, to Babs or something? I think. Yes, and and there's two words that sums up that entire thing. <clears throat> Judd Winnick. Because <laughs> <laughs> he wrote those. Okay. Those issues. Um, yeah, I, I pointed those out to her because. Nightwing Annual 2. That was Mark Andreco who wrote that. And the night before... So he, he he finally goes and sees Barbara after the killing joke. Okay. Because when the killing joke happens, he's not on the planet, believe it or not. Uh, again, the sense... He literally is. If, if you look at the publication where, where the title is, he's, that's why Dick's not on the... Aside from the editorial issue, he's not on the killing So he comes to see her and they, they sleep together. Him and Babs? Him and Babs. And then... When was this? 
And she says, right wing annual too. Oh, okay. She says, have you done something to me? I can't feel my legs. Or you must have done something to me last night because I can't feel my legs. It's like something it's a, like it's that. A, it's a little bit of gallows humor on her yeah. part, I think. And it's kind of funny. As it does sound like pillow talk. As he's leaving, this is the very definition of a dick move. He gives her an invitation to his wedding to Corey. <laughs> And she kicks him out of the apartment and is just. She I don't doesn't think actually, she talks she doesn't to actually him kick him. But no. Figuratively oh. speaking. Too soon? So that that issue came out actually after Infinite Crisis because it was the Nightwing annual that fill, filled in the. Um, I think it filled in the one year gap. Yeah. Wait a minute. Between Infinite Crisis. Remember how after Infinite Crisis everything jumped to one year later? Wait, hold on. How could Dick have given her a wedding invitation? When's the flashback? Yeah, it's like tracing the oh, history. Oh, so he was, tra- he was retroactively history. a horrible person. Yes, he was retroactively a horrible person. Oh, now, right before Infinite Crisis happened, Corey gets Corey gets recruited by Donna Troy to go off into space and into yes. that storyline, because in 52, she ends up lost in space. And she animal. tries to seduce Animal Man. Yeah. So... Because she's a whore. The night before, oh the God. night before she goes off... And I'm off, impartial. Yeah. Well, the night before she goes off into space... She sleeps with Dick, who then, before he goes off to where he was supposed to die, mm-hmm. because Danny right. Dio hates Dick Grayson, right. he proposes to Barbara. It's a total mirror. But here's the thing. Of all the writers who I... And I can't stand Evan Grayson. I'm just not a big fan of her. Okay. She got it right. Because right, when she had that Titan title, which was not particularly great, um, it was the first time Dick and Corey had been on the same team since they broke up. And, right. And they see each other, and it's this awkward conversation, and it's like, in any interaction between the two of them, there's they're, they butt heads sometimes and stuff, but there's no indication that they will ever get back together. Okay. And it's almost like they're working through the awkwardness of working alongside somebody you had a relationship with. And okay. I always appreciated that, at least, because it wasn't... Because there was never any indication that he and Corey were gonna get back together, and it, was, it wasn't until when it came along, yeah, and Jeff Johns as well, that it was just like, let's cook these two up like once or twice, and you're just like, no, he's supposed to be past this. I'm not a fan of Winnick, so I like him on the real world. <laughs> oh my, was he on you the know, real world? Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. He was on like Which the best one? season of the real world, uh, San Francisco season three, 1994. Wow. This is the true story. True story. Of seven strangers. <laughs> picked to live in a house. And have their lives taped. Oh, to find out what happens when people stop being polite. <laughs> and start getting real. The real world. San Francisco. That was a season with, uh, he was best friends with uh, Pagers and Nora. Oh. And his big break in comics was, uh, what was that? I said I don't know who that is. Pedro Zamora <laughs> is famous was, for is famous for being a housemate on the San Francisco season of the real world. He had AIDS. He oh, died of AIDS. Um, okay. Actually, I think like right after. Right the after. Last I think right after the season. Aired, yeah. And um, he became very good friends with Judd Winnick. And Winnick's big break in comics was a graphic novel he wrote about his relationship with Pedro. Um, you know, their friendship together. So, and he actually Judd actually married one of his castmates from oh. the show. I'm not a big fan of Winnick's writing. Yeah. There were a couple of there's a couple of things I read of his here and there that I liked. I thought his Green Lantern run at first was good. Okay, I'll but give you that. But for the most part, his his stuff on Titans was 
I actually enjoyed almost all the Green Lantern run. That's fair to say. And some of his but Outsiders was decent. But otherwise... Outsiders, Titans, all that, I did not care for. But that's just my take. <coughs> there were a couple so, of characters in Outsiders I liked, though. Characters versus <coughs> writing the story, though. Okay. Uh, the stories were made. So let's, uh, what's the shake in the head? What does that mean? Does that mean move along? Yeah, it was like playing tennis. You guys <laughs> were going back and forth. I was trying to keep up. So do we have a, a final top? I mean, who should Dick be with? Or is it, or is the final question is, with Dick's if, relationship with Babs? I mean, how, how did he screw that up? Or what, was it better? What if we Titan? pick like the quintessential issue that okay. really thoroughly describes the relationship? Okay. You go first, then. Oh, I get to go first? It's your yeah. show. <laughs> Ladies first. <laughs> I'm going to say Birds of Prey number eight, which is actually perhaps one of my favorite issues of all time. And it's almost a good percentage of it is silent. And, and Dick takes Babs to his circus, basically, or the circus. Mm -hmm. And they do some trapeze work and everything. And I think it shows the love that he has for her and just sharing that part of his life and, and just the moment where they're on top of that, that podium up top and share that special romantic moment. I think there's just something really special there. And I think when she becomes... Someone asked me, you know, do I think that Oracle or did Babs become a better and stronger person as Oracle? And I think certainly stronger, but sometimes I waver on the better because I feel like she was really happy and upbeat as Batgirl. But I think when the killing joke happened, I do think like something sort of snapped and she wasn't quite as happy. But it seems like for the most part, Dick is one of those people that's really uplifting for her and was always one of those positive influences like her father was. And so I think that's just a, a big moment. So it kind of brings her back to her Batgirl, just her happiness level. So I would say Birds of Prey number eight would be the reason why I think they deserve to be together forever. Forever. Forever, 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 forever. Shipper Spotlight. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Mr. Tsung. See, this is where I'm clarifying my position because uh -oh. I agree with you on Birds of Prey number eight. Okay. And the thing is, my position always was that he does belong with Barbara. Okay. It's, it's, not dismissing the relationship with Corey was where I was getting thing and because because the relationship with Corey was always tumultuous on some level or another and there are a handful of issues where you can you can see that where sometimes it's what happens and sometimes it's just he's got his head up his own rear end. <laughs> you know like he's thinking with his name no in a sense or he's just he's just so wrapped up in his own like angst yeah. over Batman or somebody like you know there's a whole subthread running through who is Donna Troy about like you know him about how much of that story is about him and working through his stuff and like you know how and he even mentions like I've been such an ass to Corey lately and then he quits being Robin and she looks he's like why didn't you tell me and it's like clearly he, he is a head case the whole time. Probably the best issue to describe that is the issue where she gets married on Tamarind. It's not a particularly great issue. Um, it was Wolfman during his at the start of his writer's block, so it was right, right around the end of the crisis. Okay. And Eduardo Barreto did the art. So it's in the 60s, maybe? 70s. I think it was. Oh, of it the was, Baxter. Of the Baxter. Oh, okay. Series. 
and it's they're on they're they're on Tamaran. He has found out about this marriage that's going to happen. There's like three other subplots going on at once because um, the team is completely split up, and it's this whole. It ends with him just kind of walking out with her screaming, "You know, come back to me and stuff." And that's 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 actually a really good illustration of relationship because it's a tumultuous relationship that it's it's like she's she's the ex-girlfriend she's always going to be the ex-girlfriend it's it's like i said it's Judd freaking winnick who would get them back together every once in a while but like you know he's a, she's always going to be the ex and i think it's it's a good illustration of that because here's this guy at an age where he does not know what the heck is going on in his own head and he's with this girl who is yes she is probably I don't want to say she's out of his league because looks-wise it looks like she's out of his league. Well, yeah. She gets a lot of attention. He doesn't know how to handle that. He doesn't know how to handle the fact that she wears her emotions on her sleeve. Whereas his mentor, yeah. you know, and that's the thing he gives her credit for. Like, he gives her credit for, you know, you taught me how to be emotional and everything. Um, so, yeah, I think, like I said, I think that all those re- re- all roads lead to Barbara Gordon. You, Go just, ahead, have so to, you just have to have the relationship with Corey. And I've never, I've never actually, I just give her crap because yeah. I know that. Now, I thought he was going to say the issue where uh, they click and Dick and Corey are in bed together and they don't make a big deal about it early on. And everyone's like, wait a minute, they're sleeping together. Yeah, that was one of the first issues of the Baxter series, and I swear they did that just because they could do it. Yeah, they just slipped it in. Yeah. By the way, I will say... So did he. Indif- <laughs> oh, my word. That was a softball question. That was a softball. You set that up. <laughs> I would say in um, defense of Dick, you know, it, one thing we forget about the Teen Titans is that they are teens. And who in their teen years had their crap together? It's very 90210. Especially a guy who's yeah. dating a supermodel quality girl is not going to have his head together at all. So, I mean, it's, he's going to make a lot of dumb bonehead moves, no doubt about it. I mean, they're all they're all a little messed up through that whole series. You've got um, Cyborg is, well, Cyborg just got, <laughs> Cyborg just got put together because of the accident. So he spends the entire series angsting over what he's become. Yep. Gar does the Peter Parker thing of hiding everything behind a uh, wall of smartasses. He's the Chandler thing. <laughs> um, friends reference. Raven. I got Well, you remember Raven's entire storyline was like... Black, black, death, death, nobody yeah. understands me? Yeah, yeah, and my father is going to you know, take me over if I, get, if I use my powers. <laughs> Trigon, the yeah. most boring uh, world-conquering despot in uh, comic book history. Not in Teen Titans, the animated series. And, or in Tiny Titans. He's great in Tiny Titans. In Teen Titans Go, he's actually pretty funny. Okay. But in um, New Teen Titans, he's the most boring despot ever. Um, the uh, What's the other? Um, you've got Kid Flash, who is... Well, this is the Wally dying from his own speed. In Republican Wally. Yeah, he, he doesn't want it. He's a reluctant hero, you know. And then you've got, you know, um, Donna, who's with Terry Long. <laughs> Such a waste. Oh, my God. He has red hair. I don't care. She's smoking hot. <laughs> Donna's the... Donna's the girl next door. <laughs> but you want to kill her. 
Oh. That was just a way to get a letter published. <laughs> and the truth comes out. Want to thank the guests for being on your show? I'd like to thank uh, Tom, Tom Panarese, who, uh, who <laughs> took his defeat well. I think so. He's tearing up a little bit. I've acquiesced. And, I think it's uh, just hot sauce in his eyes. Yeah. And Shag, our salsa. moderator, who was really trying not to take sides at all in this little go-around. Very impartial, especially and, when it came to Starfire That Whore. And you should really listen to Who's Who, which is really the best podcast out on the interwebs now. About Who's Who. <laughs> I know. Oh, no, don't do it. It's going <laughs> us, too. I was going to on you, not the phone. Oh. <laughs> do you think that's it? I think so. Are we doing okay on time? I don't know what time it is. I don't have to watch it. It's 7.35. Are you guys okay? Yeah. Okay. Um, Are you okay? Yeah, I got an hour and a half drive. I've been up since 4.30 this morning. That's fine. <laughs> I saw a little twitch in his eye. <laughs> <laughs> Who's show are we on now? Well, that is it. Thanks to Tom Panarese and myself for basically putting up with Shaggy D. Matthews for five plus hours. Gee golly. I mean... You thought having a root canal was bad. No, it was amazing being able to meet Shag in person and and have just fun conversations. And you can stay tuned at the end of this episode and hear just us chatting about any sort of thing like uh, Transformers and Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and off-the-wall culture that only the old fogies know about and us youngins have no idea what's going on. So just stay tuned afterwards to hear some more talk that is not involved in the debate. As always, you can send any questions or comments to backrowtheoracle at gmail.com. Like the show on Facebook or follow it on Twitter at backrowtheoracle. Like the Batman Universe on Facebook as well. Once again, thanks to Mile High Comics for sponsoring Backroll the Oracle, the Barbara Gordon podcast. And be sure to check out Shag's very own Fire and Water podcast and Tom's pop culture affidavit, as well as his in-country podcasts. And until next time, when there's even more blood to be shed, this is me, Stella, signing off. So fly on, Babs lovers. Just plain Barbara Gordon, masquerading for a lark as she rides into the night on her special Batgirl cycle. Who knows? Is the dynamic duo destined to become the triumphant trio? Only time will tell us more about this dazzling dare doll. Ah, I love a happy ending, don't you? The house is gonna be. Yeah. Okay. The reporter's not even online. <laughs> no. I'm fairly nice to you today, but that may have to change. Oh. It's worth it. Um, I can drink out of the cup. <laughs> You guys, uh, you got a couple minutes? I think so. Yeah, okay. yeah just a little bit. Thank you. She, she's going slow over there. Oh, dear. <laughs> no, I actually know what I want. I'm just I warming just, up. I was just double-checking. Just warming up for the recording. All right. I was just double-checking the number of the combo. Well, when you do that, you have to explain your gesture. It's true. Shag is gesturing to Tom. You could be like those, have you ever rented those DVDs where they have the description for blind people on? Yeah. Yeah. You can be like one of those. My mom's, uh, DVD player, somehow it's locked in that mode. Oh. So every time she plays a DVD, it's in the descriptive mode. I don't understand why they keep talking through this movie. <laughs> why are they telling me what I can see on the screen? Uh, see, she's recorded with me before. Yeah. 
it's likely I'm going to be mean to you. Don't take it personal. It's just part of the shit. I love those books. They big, scratch, big, big book of conspiracies. Yeah, and they, they, they've, they've done a bunch of them. And, and they kind of scratch an itch of, you know, the, no, no, the conspiracy theory UFO section of the library dork in me who used to go look for the... You remember the Mysteries of the Unknown series and those books that you'd see advertised on TV yeah. and stuff? Uh -huh. Yeah, those types of books when I was like, you know, 13 or 14, I'm like, I want to read about alien abductions and stuff. So stuff like that, it's... But yeah, those are... Those are not for little years in terms of podcasting. The big book of Urban Legends was awesome. Mm -hmm. This is a, it was an imprint of DC called Paradox Press. Yeah. And they print these things. I mean, they were quite this big, maybe this big. And they were like each page would be an Urban Legend, but it was all comic book form. Mm -hmm. So you'd see a funny comic book by I don't know some obscure indie right comic artist, and it would be based on the alligators in the sewers, or the the hook, you know, have, you know or the Have You Checked the Children. Or, I'm assuming you've heard all these Urban Legends. The kidney. The hook one, yeah. The kidney I mean, removal one. Is you that what you said? I said I've seen the movie Urban Legends. I don't know. I don't know. I haven't uh, seen it, but, but it's all that kind it's of It's a pretty bad movie. <laughs> it has a man with a hook. I know what you did okay. last summer. There you go. All those kind of stuff. Okay. Yeah. Great comments. That's when comments were good. I see. What is it? What is happening? They let these kids in or start reading them and stuff. No. They dumb them with their, with their Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. So is Eastman and Laird involved stuff? Um, so I saw their name attached to it recently. Yeah, I don't know what they were doing. They have an Eastman is involved with at least one of the titles. Yeah. Is it IDW? The IDW yeah. one, yeah. It's IDW. Yep. yep. And then he draws some covers too. Yeah. I bought the Turtles for years. I love the old original stuff. Oh my god. I never read the comic consistently enough, but I watched the hell out of that cartoon back in the late 80s and early 90s. <laughs> You didn't, you didn't know about it because I made a reference to those teenagers from Dimension X. And he's like, I don't know what you're talking about, but you just keep going. <laughs> I thought, okay, well, this is a ro role reversal because that's what I told you to do. Because <laughs> <laughs> I, um, so, I was reading the Eastman and Laird stuff, which was you know pretty gritty. And then the cartoon came out, and I watched it. I'm like, oh, no, this is not for me. Looking for a high maintenance time called Shaggy d -Mets. There it is. I um, I'll probably put down the wrong phone I was watching the Nickelodeon. Nickelodeon was running the new version of the Turtles series. Brett was watching it for a while, and it was, I thought it was done pretty well. Yeah. The new one? Mm -hmm. More, like, comedic. The one they did on Fox, it had a serious tone. Yeah. With some comedy, which I really liked. Oh, yeah? I like the mix of the comedy. It's my nerd rant. Oh, well, I told do, you about this do we one. need the recorder going for this, though? Oh, yeah, I turned it on ten minutes ago. Um, what? What? No. Yeah, I've been recording for six minutes. <laughs> Not that we'll use that audio. What a betrayal. I'm just saying. He's like a dirty journalist. Yeah. I could have said I did it 35 minutes ago, but Should I was trying I also to avoid that stupid rap. We're doing this now, huh? Right. I suppose so. Because I want to be able to block out Tom when I need to be like, if he's going to say, I'm going to release that audio saying that. I'm going to release the audio I think the audio was me crunching and us. There's probably the last seven minutes or probably nothing. It's enough of a lead. Wow. <laughs> sneaking up on you with my phone. <laughs> um, Hello. What did you just say? <laughs> She's laughing so loud that the, the meter went red. Well, it's good because she didn't laugh at all at Barnes and Noble. We, yeah. we bored the hell out of her. I know. So I'm, I'm online. You're just trying to block my microphone. That's what you're trying to do. 
Your, our phones are getting kinky with it. Yeah. Getting jiggy with it. Getting jiggy with it. Getting jiggy with it. So I'm online the other night. <laughs> I love how you mumble it. <laughs> my son, my phone's right here. We're interrupting Tom's story. I, don't care. Sure. <laughs> I don't care. But, so I'm, I was supposed to be writing, yet decided to just surf as you do. Right. It's always like, you know, late at night when it yeah, happens yeah. too. And I'm on, oh, one of the Gawker blogs, and there was a post that was, it was from a couple of years ago, it was like, here are the top 10 best cartoons on TV right now. And I'm like, okay, this is interesting. And in the middle of the post, there's this whole paragraph this guy's got about Teen Titans Go. And how horrible this show is because it completely betrays the premise of the previous Teen Titans cartoon, blah, blah, blah. And I've been watching Teen Titans Go because I have a eight-year-old who likes to watch it. And he finds it funny. I actually find it really funny because it's a sitcom. But he, he we are on total whole, opposite ends of this discussion. But he but goes go on this whole paragraph rant about how there was characterization and story building, and I'm like, the Teen Titans Go is just this kind of like, twenty million superhero gags rolled into one thing, and there is no continuity, and and I can, I'm, I'm having fun with it. And what I was getting annoyed about though was, there's no problem stating a preference. Yeah as to whether or not you like something. For instance, I really like the spectacular Spider-Man cartoon from a few years ago. I agree. I'm pretty cold on the ultimate Spider-Man web warriors. Why? There are moments where I think it's fun, but otherwise I'm like, yeah. But to go into some pretentious sort of diatribe about like, you know, the characterization, whether or not you're being faithful to this or that, I'm like, I'm just sitting there going, this is why I feel ruined as a nerd half the time, because it's like, can't you just say, I don't like this, and just be done with it? Do we have to have your authoritative sounding, you know, well, this is not true to the blah, 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 blah. I mean, there are times when somebody comes in on a comic book and, like, completely, you know, screws something up. Aquaman? Yeah. Or Guy Gardner is a great example. Of it. Okay. You know, there's a lot of character, there's a lot of what's gone on, and then... Stella, Stella disapproves of no, Guy Gardner. There's a, there's a constant... No, there's... Sean Engel will tell you there's this somewhere around here and there there's this constant desire to bring Guy Gardner back to the kind of you know but I don't know I just I was like in the same way I was getting annoyed with all the Batman and Superman hold on before you leave the Titans I'm going to challenge you okay was the guy telling you you were wrong for liking it it was just in the article it wasn't telling me directly he was just in the article is he saying the people that like the show are wrong for liking it or was he just sharing his opinion on why he thought it was bad he was sharing his opinion when he thought it was bad, which I thought was a valid opinion. But people would bring up things in the comments, and he brought up, um, have you watched The Amazing World of Gumball? I have been forced to sit through it and wanted to pull See, out I really find it. See, I yeah. find it really, really funny. And he, But he was dismissive of everybody's comment on a show that wasn't on yeah. his list. And okay. I was like, oh, you're that guy. <laughs> and it's, it's right up there with the other pet peeve of mine, of people who write articles about comics in the 90s and obviously have not done any research and are writing these sort of hack articles where they're dismissive of anything and are taking on perpetuating stereotypes. And I'm just like, it's like, go away. Like, let me let, let, like what you want to like. You know, yeah. and you can have your opinion or anything, but 
when you become the pretentious blowhard and it starts to become the you act as if everybody feels this way and I think that's that was the opinion I was this is the feeling I was getting from a lot of posts like this where it's just like you're acting as if this is the prevailing opinion of everybody well he's right Teen Titans Go sucks but it does not suck. it's a fun it's wretched. show it's wretched um, but that's just my opinion though. everyone's entitled to their own opinion oh yeah no everybody's even entitled if, even if their opinion is wrong they're entitled to have it mm -hmm. and in your case it's wrong but you're still entitled to have it um, but I would say that it sounds like the comments were out of line and if he's dismissive of other people's opinion you gotta just say you know hey man if, that, if you're into that that's cool Yeah. and if you're into Teen Titans Go I'm fine with that yeah. don't you spill Mexican food on my phone I'm just saying you know, no one's going to even know she's here. Because it's just Tom and I talking. And then she mumbles every once in a while. Oh, I want it's inappropriate. <laughs> it'll be all crunching. We're <laughs> eating chips and salsa. It'll be all crunching on the microphone. But, you know, it's now, just. My kids love Teen Titans Go. We argue about this fiercely. Well, my 8 year old loves it. I'm like, well, you're the audience. Well, my 15 year old loves it too. My 15 year old and my 9 year old love it. They think it's hilarious. And then they go, well, and, and then I I didn't like the previous Teen Titans cartoon either. So I thought that was pretty well done. It, for me, it was Young Justice. I love Young Justice. So I, I actually never didn't get a chance to watch that. I probably will at some point. It's just it's a very straightforward superhero interpretation. Mm -hmm. they're, they're, I don't know. I don't know what it is. I, I guess because I took my Titans seriously, I don't like the comic. But again, if someone else loves that, I want these. People, I want people to fall in love with any version of the character. Me blowing smoke at you, saying you're wrong. That's just for bluster and fun. I know. Um, but but it's I don't, I don't enjoy it. It's not for me. But Jack I'm glad I'm here. smokes a cigarette with black eyeliner on it. No 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 no. <laughs> That's not it. The image that you should have of the this type of person is what I have in my head is Max Landis from the beginning of that awful awful video on YouTube where he's it's like he's swilling scotch and trying to be you know it's like. No, look. His presentation was pretty funny, and it landed him a gig right in the comic. He was trying too hard. Oh, yeah. Very much the um, hipster. Mm -hmm. Really? You're not going to say a word the whole night, are you? I don't know what you want me to say. I don't know. I'm just randomly opening my mouth and words are falling out. Well, he had his rant. Okay, well, it's kind of a rant. It just gets interrupted me. your rant. No, it just gets me when there's a sort of... This universal generalization of this is terrible, this is bad, and you know, I get more annoyed when it's a stuff that's where you're, you're coming from a place where you're obviously misinformed or you're underinformed. The 90s being a great example, you know, looking at current Donald Dice for 100 number one, going through the issue and being like, well, this isn't half, half as bad as it makes it sound, it just has a reputation because of the sales and the circumstances surrounding it rather than the actual content of the book. You guys were very complimentary towards it. You really were. Well, it wasn't too bad. It wasn't horrible. You know, was it worth a Colombian cover and all that? But its reputation precedes it. But the whole Death of Superman rant, which I was just sitting there going, hey, the guy, he was probably a zygote when the thing came out anyway. And B, Careful, I'm sitting there, table but I'm sitting there with, with Bailey, thinking the same thing Bailey was probably thinking. That's not how it happened. You know? <laughs> it's 
easier to get hits by tearing something down mm -hmm. instead of saying, you know what, here's a bunch of stuff I like, and then celebrating. Mm -hmm. It's better to celebrate. Like Stella's about to start celebrating Hacker Files, right? Nodding your head does nothing for I audio. I, I am nodding my head. Um, <laughs> I still don't know what Hacker Files is, but maybe I'll be a fan after I read issues one, two, and three. Or is it four, five, and six? I don't even remember. I've never read it. I have an issue I remember in my coming out. I don't know why. There's a Who's Who entry. Oh. Yep. From the binder edition. That's true. Beyond that, I don't know. Who's Who is such a great show. Oh, I... <laughs> I mean, that's all I listen to. Just on repeat. She's as much of a pain in the ass in person as she is on the phone. She's very deceptive. That was that attempt in the early 90s so that everybody, TV, movies, comics, had to bring in the internet and computer culture. You got movies like The Net. Yeah. And Hackers. Yeah. Hackers was really popular. Um, a more. Uh, oh, the Lawnmower Man. But that was just a retelling part of my mouth. That was a Stephen King short story that eventually got. <coughs> well, wasn't that just a retelling of Flying for Algernon? It had a basis there yeah. where as if Flowers for Algernon veered into horror. Yeah, I'll give it up. Charlie. Because Charlie, in the book, um, the experiment doesn't hold. Mm -hmm. And by the end of the book, he's even worse. I mean, that's the heartbreak of it. Yeah. I remember. The lawnmower man... Um, takes over the world. He tries to take over the world. <laughs> it's not that different. You know. And then there was this really awful movie called Ghosts in the Machine. Isn't that an anime? No, there's... Deus Ex No, there is a... There is a I think there's an anime called Disney, but there's a lot of show where you're just randomly throwing out... <laughs> is it, out it called Ex Machina? No, no, no. The, the cop? Like I don't Ghost know. <laughs> or Ghost in the Shell. Ghost, Ghost in the, the Shell. shell. That's what yeah. This is a really, really bad horror movie starring Karen Allen, where this guy turned himself into a computer virus and was possessing. It was awful, just awful. It sounds like Brainiac, like that guy from oh. Mike's Amazing World. It's absolutely awful. And then there's virtual. Mike Boyles? Yes, that man. The real live Mike Boyles, who's very nice. You're trying to turn into a mystery? A man of mystery. Man behind the curtain. 
You know I have his email. So do I. Who's he? I'm just going to reach out to him. That means Tell nothing. Tell him you'll be smirching his good name. Oh, dear. He's like Snuffle Up, I guess it was. Where when, oh, yeah. when, when, real, when the adults show it up, he, he leaves, so everybody thought he was Big Lord's imaginary friend for a long time. They should reboot that. Kids should have to suffer through what we suffered through. Actually, I guess they do with Transformers. Because they get a new Transformers series every couple of years, and it's completely different continuity. I... After the after the cartoon that the series season that followed the movie, I was there wasn't much Transformers for me after that. So seems like every couple of years there's a whole new series that's completely different. Mm-hmm. It's sort of seen. It's really turtles. Don't they reboot the continuity every time they start a new series? Yeah. Thanks for your contribution. You're welcome. We got it. Yeah. Whatever. But there's also the fact that these were. Like, you know we're half our generation it's every year there was something different so unless you were like a hardcore fan of something you stuck with it for a season or two of TV shows and toys and then you moved on to the next thing so it's why half of us had Voltron and Master of the Universe and Thundercats and G.I. Joe and Transformers it was because it was just Thunder of the Barbarian could have made it man it could have kept going what about Josie and the Pussycats? They were on for the longest time in reruns. They had a show? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that. Like animated? Insert I had a barber sound clip here. here. What? Insert sound clip here. <laughs> <laughs> It was a Hanna-Barbera cartoon. Um, no idea. They, there was one, there were two versions of it. The one of them was them and the band, you know, and then doing the thing. And then there was another one where they were in outer space. Oh dear, I don't know about that one. Of course they did. Of course uh, they were in outer space. They I swear. Did they pass Gilligan's planet on their way? I don't know. But I swear at one point or another, they teamed up with the Scooby Gang. Okay. I'm pretty sure there is a Scooby Doo. Barbera, that would make sense. Or it was on the Scooby Doo. Could have been the Scooby Doo season where they teamed up all yeah. the time. Yeah, there's a Scooby Doo. Josie and Pussycats team up somewhere. Now, was there an animated series after the movie with the girl that went to your middle school? What? Uh, Sabrina the Teenage Witch. Wasn't she in that movie too? I don't know. This the Josie and the Pussycats cartoon was from the 70s. I'm sorry, with Melissa John Hart. I think she was in the movie. Rachel E. Cook was Josie. I don't know. I, I never saw the. Uh, no, but I could be wrong. It happens. You often are. Ouch. She, she saves all of it for that kind of stuff. <laughs> but it's so low that I don't think you can hear it. You often are wrong, Shag. 
Thank you, Stella. <laughs> You're so generous. How, are, how is this going to work exactly? I don't know. <laughs> All this is going to be cut out. It's just going to be Tom's rant, me arguing with him. That's it.